Welcome to the Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about. Welcome back to episode number 113 of the Healthy Skin Show. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you all about your skin's microbiome, which it's so important given that skin rashes have this hallmark symptom of microbiome dysbiosis. And I want to share with you the ways in which that microbiome becomes imbalanced given the information that I'm going to talk about today. The microbiome of your skin is actually this really interesting mix of about 1 billion organisms per square inch that are living on your skin. And that mix includes bacteria, fungi, which also is yeast, by the way, mites, and viruses. And that's a healthy skin microbiome. So it's okay to have some yeast organisms, for example, or mites. It's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of times we just think that a microbiome should be bacteria, but it's a large community of different organisms. As far as bacteria is concerned, there are 19 different phyla, different types of bacteria that are found on the skin with three to four that predominate. Actinobacteria, Firmicutes, Proteobacteria, and Bacteroides. What's equally interesting is that the mix or blend of these organisms and bacteria differ depending on the zone of the skin in which they live. There's actually three different zones on your skin. Sebaceous, also known as oily, moist, and dry and flat. Pretty cool, huh? And what's also interesting is that your microbiome on the skin is considered a lipidome meaning that it actually is fat-loving. So the bacteria there metabolize fats or lipids on the skin, which is a real departure from the microbiome of the gut, which we're used to hearing a lot about, wherein the bugs in the gut like to consume fibers, also known as prebiotics, right? This is totally the opposite. The bugs on the skin love and thrive on lipids or fats. And what's equally interesting, but probably not entirely surprising, is that the skin's microbiome changes throughout your entire life. So what you were initially born with or had as a baby or a child differed once you got to your teenage years and again changed throughout the years to the point where once you are elderly, your skin's microbiome looks very different from how it looked at birth. One integral piece of this puzzle is the environment in which the skin bugs live. And what I mean by that is looking at the specific pH. And when I talk about pH, in case you're not too familiar with this, what you might be familiar with is acid versus alkaline environments. So for something to be considered acidic, it has to be of a pH from 1 to 6. Seven is considered neutral, while alkaline is from eight to 14. The most acidic something could be would essentially be a one on that scale, whereas the most alkaline would be a 14. While this scale doesn't sound all that fancy, right? It's one to 14, essentially. The jumps up between each individual step, so one to two, two to three, three to four, so on and so forth, are actually quite large steps. 
So if something requires an environment to be at, say, a pH of 4, except you added something that caused the pH to be a, now a 7, that can have a dramatic impact on what can either grow or thrive in that particular environment. With all of that in mind, the skin's ideal pH needs to be somewhere between a 4.5 to a 5 on the pH scale. Now, let's put that in a bit of perspective. Water, for example, is typically somewhere between a 6 to an 8.5, so it's more alkaline than the pH of your skin. Soap tends to be even more alkaline, somewhere between a 9 to a 10. And this is where we start to get in trouble. When we start using products that are way more alkaline than our skin needs to be. And you might say to yourself, wait, hold on a second. My skin needs to be somewhere between a 4.5 to 5. So that means that my skin environment is supposed to be more on the acidic side. You may have heard a lot of people talk about alkalizing their body. We want everything to be alkalized. But the reality is that not every area of the body needs to be alkaline. And in fact, it would be incredibly harmful for the skin's environment to become more alkaline. And I'm going to explain that to you with a very simple example in a moment. But the first piece to the puzzle is to recognize that a lot of soaps and cleansers are so much more alkaline than that of our skin. And it does therefore impact the pH of the skin when you clean your face or your body. Just as an example, Dr. Bronner's Pure Castile Liquid Soap falls at a 9.3 on the pH scale. Their Pure Castile Bar Soap falls at a 9.8. So clearly those products, while yes, they may be all natural, and I even use them, but on my body, not on my face, are way more alkaline than that of your skin. And to make matters worse, what people do after they wash their skin makes a huge impact. So let's say you use some sort of liquid soap and it's at a 9.3. Well, you've now alkalized your skin to a point that may not be sustainable. And then what you put on your skin can also impact it. One of the articles that's, I think, the most popular article on SkinTerrupt.com is all about coconut oil and using coconut oil on the skin. Coconut oil has a pH of 8. So it too, while it's close to being neutral, it is on the alkaline side. So think about that for a second. If you add a 9.3 soap to your skin and then you top it all off to re-moisturize with another oil or another product that is on that alkaline scale, your skin starts to consistently become more alkaline. And you slowly move away from that really important tight range of 4.5 to 5. And because a few people asked about why I tend to suggest more like avocado oil or olive oil, their pHs are much closer to that of the skin. Olive oil is at a 6.8. So yeah, it's a little bit higher. But avocado oil, for example, is 5.5. And even hemp seed oil is pretty close as well. The range that I've seen is that it's really somewhere around a pH of 6. I certainly have other issues with coconut oil that you guys know about because it's too antimicrobial. It's difficult to absorb through the skin because the lipid molecules are just way too large. 
you can go check out the article on skinterrupt.com. I'll put the link directly to that article in the show notes of this episode for you to go check out. But the reason why maintaining a healthy pH balance is so integral for the skin is because it has a direct connection between what's able to really grow and thrive on your skin. So I was able to find this really interesting article that looked at how easy it was for certain types of bacteria to grow based on the pH that they were living in. Now for the example. I wanted to share this because I thought it was super fascinating because as teenagers, we're told we have to wash our face and we're using what end up tending to be pretty harsh chemicals and soaps on our face in an effort to not end up with acne. Well, the particular bacteria that plays a role in the development of acne called P. acnes actually has the ability to take the sebum that your skin naturally produces and turn it into something that's highly inflammatory. Now, I found this study that looked at these different bacteria that live on the skin and the environments based on their pH in which they thrive. And what the researchers found was that P. acnes, quote, grew much better in the pH 6.0 to 7.0 range, end quote. And this is significant because it grew better in that particular range than in an environment that was acidic or very alkaline. The point here is that disturbances to this balance matter. And when we use products that are very skewed from that tight range, we can inadvertently over time open up the door for opportunistic bugs like staph to take over. Or we can perpetuate a state where the microbiome itself becomes skewed or there's a dysbiosis essentially. And I will say this, it's usually not just one thing. What I have found in my clinical practice is that there's a number of issues that have been going on for a very long time that create this almost perfect environment for the skin rashes to emerge. So while it's easy to just blame your cleanser or your moisturizer, or your choice in oil, that alone is probably not enough. In some individuals, it may be one of the main driving factors. And I have heard stories from readers and listeners who discovered that just from using coconut oil alone, that had triggered their rashes. And when they stopped using it, the rashes subsided. But for most people with long-standing chronic issues, coconut oil or a particular type of moisturizer or cleanser may not be the main problem here. It's just one facet. It's my hope that in having this type of conversation to understand how integral it is that we work toward moving the skin microbiome back to this healthier state through a number of different facets, right? Not just the internal, but also the external. We can better understand how to support our skin even moving forward once the rashes hopefully stop. While I know that this episode got a little bit nerdy, now you know all about the pH scale, acidity, alkalinity, and where your skin needs to be and how important that is. We're going to talk more about the different facets of the skin microbiome in future episodes, so stay tuned to that. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments or you want to take a look at all of the research that went into this particular episode, you can head on over to skinterrupt.com forward slash 113.
Leave your thoughts there. That way we can keep the conversation going. I would love to know what you think about this and if you find this pretty eye-opening. Before you head off with the rest of your day, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. That way, the next episode lands on your mobile device. And of course, I'm going to ask you to share. If you found this really enlightening and interesting, head on over to your favorite Facebook group or whatever group that you are in and share this episode with your community members. That way, we can educate each other and make smarter choices. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.